Well, good morning. Glad to see everyone. Um, my wife didn't share. Um, Claudia had her wisdom teeth pulled Friday, and so that's why she wasn't here able to sing for us today. So pray for her, and um, hopefully she'll be able to be leading us in worship next week. Of course, because of technology, she'll let us in worship today. So that was cool. Uh, we're in a series called Chasing Carrots, The Endless Pursuit of More. Last week, we talked about having more influence or fame. Today's topic, I think, will hit everyone. It's money and stuff. Now, little audience participation. How many of you wouldn't mind being rich? Raise your hand. You wouldn't mind that. Probably none of us would mind being rich, right? All right. How many of you know somebody that's rich? Wow, a lot of you do. Wow. Now, those people you know that are rich... Do you sometimes feel like you could do it better? You would use that wealth smart in a more smart way, a wiser way. You wouldn't waste so much of it. I think most of us has that tendency. All right, so here's the bottom line question. How many of you are rich? Couple. It's kind of a trick question. How many of you feel rich is probably a more accurate question, right? Not too many hands would go up with that. So, on your outline, starting off, how much do you think you need to be happy? How much do you think you need to be happy? <clears throat> now, people were offered, theoretically, $5 million and asked some questions, what would you be willing to do? So, I don't know who does these, all these surveys, but... Uh, and think up the questions. First one was 54%, that's over half of them, would be willing to only listen to country music the rest of their lives. Now, some of you think that's a win-win, right? Uh, some of us, not so much. 54% of the people, maybe they took this survey down south, I don't know. 42% were willing to get all their teeth pulled. If you had money, you could get false teeth, I guess, and that's not a really big challenge. Now, the one that really shocked me was this. 50%, half the people, were willing to let some um, anonymous person overseas die so they could get their $5 million. Some random person is going to die so you can have $5 million. Half, one half the people. <clears throat> and 24% were willing to live as a hermit for the next 20 years for $5 million. I don't think money's not much good if you can't share it with people. But that was the statistics. So what is rich? It's interesting. Because it's really a moving target. It depends who you are and where you are. They asked people that had an income of $30,000, what would they need to be rich? They said, oh, if I had an income of $74,000 a year, I would feel rich. Now, some of you, some of us, have an income of $74,000, and nobody raised their hand and said they were rich, or hardly anyone, right? People that made $50,000 a year, they asked them how much they needed, and they said, oh, if I had $100,000 a year, I would consider myself rich. And people with those six-figure incomes, they put that figure at $5 million. Not $2 million, not $3 million, but $5 million. They consider themselves rich. Some of us that have lived a long time, when I was young, 
I didn't know anybody was a millionaire. I didn't even think I would ever know anybody was a millionaire. I know millionaires now, and they're just kind of ordinary people. So, you know, when you live a long time, you see that. It's a moving target. So how much would you need to be satisfied? This guy came to Jesus and said, Hey, my brother won't share the inheritance. He's probably the younger brother. Share with me. Why don't you straighten him out? So Jesus used that as an opportunity to give us a warning about, uh, let me say money. Uh, it's in uh, Luke chapter 12. And to emphasize it, he uses two words at the beginning. Beware and guard. Pretty strong words. Beware. Guard yourself against every kind of greed. Now, greed is basically wanting more than you have. More than you can get afford. Life is not measured by how much you own. Not measured by how much money you have. Life is not measured by how much possessions you have. So easy for us to say, what I don't have. Is it? What I don't have. I don't have what? I don't know what you don't have. I don't have a swimming pool. I don't have a new car. I don't have. He said, your life is not determined by what you have. Then he told a story. There was a rich man with a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? So, okay, he's making more uh, crops than he can handle. It'd be like if you had a business, you were in a restaurant, and you were having more customers than you had seats for them. What are you going to do? Well, expand your business, right? Get a bigger location or add on to your restaurant. Well, he, what did he do? I don't have room for all my crops. So he said, what am I going to do? I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And then he said, then I can sit back and basically retire. Right? Read, pull that up. Sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Retire. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, Anybody have a problem with that story? I don't have any problems with that story. If I had a business and, and God blessed it and it, it was growing, I would want, to grow, want it to grow. But there was one big problem. Story goes on. But God said to him, you fool. Now, was he a fool because he was a profitable businessman? No. You fool. You will die this very night then who will get everything you work for? We all. None of us take what we have with us, right? Yes, a person is a fool, here's bottom line, to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So why, was, why did God call him a fool? Why, did, why was God mad at him? It wasn't because he was successful. It was because his life was focused on Himself. So how do you and I deal with this pressure that advertisers spend many, many dollars to convince you to buy stuff, right? So how do you deal with the pressure to buy? And why do you save? Assuming you save, 
Why would you want a bigger barn? So we're going to look at wealth, and then we're going to divide this message between good news and bad news. Now, if you had your choice, which would you want first? How many of you like the good news first? Hardly anybody. That's interesting. So most of you like to hear the bad news first. Well, I'm going to give you the good news first, just because I wrote it down that way. So the good news is you're rich. That's good news, right? Now, we already said you don't feel rich. But we're looking at, at, at mankind. Let's just look at mankind. About three billion people, not half, but close, of people in the world earn $2 or less a day. And you spent 4 or $5 on a coffee on the way to work today. I mean, we're in church today. Maybe on the way to work. $2 a day. Another way you can determine about being rich is how, uh, put on your outline, by the things that upset you. How many of you think about this? But if you order something on Amazon, you expect it the next day, and if you get a notice saying, ah, oh, it's going to be late a couple days, you get upset. I don't want to wait three days when I can get something for one day. We have a thing called fast food in the United States, right? So you go either in or in your car, and you expect to get that fast food pretty quickly. And if it's a little longer than you think it should be, you begin to get upset. My wife reminded me, we were missionaries in Portugal, they didn't have fast food. The fast food we could get was uh, grilled chicken and french fries. But you had to order it <laughs> almost a day ahead of time. You had to order it in the morning to get it in the evening. That was our fast food. But we're, not, we're spoiled here, right? You have your AirPods. And someday you forget them. You've got to walk around without your AirPods and hold your phone and, and use it that way. You get upset. My wife and I call these first world problems. Because most of the world, these aren't issues. These aren't problems because they don't have AirPods or they don't have access to, to buy stuff on Amazon or they don't have fast food. This is the one that really surprised me. Everybody here probably drove their own car to get here. All right? If you can choose to get in a car, your car, and drive any place you want to go, you are in the top 15% of the world. We all have cars. We probably all got more, more than one car. We're rich, right? That's good. I like having a car. You ever think about the fact, I don't know about you, but we drive by dozens of restaurants to get to a restaurant we want to go to. We drive by dozens of churches sometimes to get to the church we want to go to. And you get to that restaurant, and you sit down, you order your food, and somebody cooks it and brings it to you. Somebody grew that food, somebody grew those animals, they killed those animals, they packaged those animals, and we don't eat meat, so I can talk about animals. <laughs> anyway, um, transported to the restaurant, somebody in the restaurant cooked that food, somebody served you that food, and you just went and asked for it, and they gave it to you. We're rich, right? Now, not everyone, I understand that, especially single moms in our, in our society, they struggle. But on the world standards, 
we're rich. Uh, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, had some wisdom for us. He said this, those who love money will never have enough. This won't. Always want more. I love it, so I want more of it. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. We kind of think that, but it's meaningless. It's foolish. It doesn't make sense. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a few minutes. He goes on. And it's a good thing. It's good to receive wealth from God. Wealth is a good thing. And good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work, that's also a good thing. Hopefully, you, whatever work you have, I enjoy my job. And accept your lot in life, your position in life. All of us should be pretty pleased that you were b- born in, an, in America, just for that fact. All these things are a gift from God. So, let's all say together, I am rich. I am rich. That's a good thing. Because who gives you wealth? Just read it. God has given it to you. For whatever reason, God has chosen to bless you with wealth. And you say, well, no, I worked for it. Well, who gave you the ability to work for it? Who gave you the job? Who gave you the intelligence? Who gave you the opportunities? God, God did, right? Right place at the right time. So, I am rich. Thank you, God. Now, you seemed a little hesitant to say you were rich. Was it a little embarrassing, maybe, to say you were rich? It's kind of strange. I, I, I feel a little embarrassed saying I'm rich. But I don't, I don't get embarrassed about saying I'm rich about other things. I don't feel embarrassed that God has blessed me with a wonderful wife and a great marriage. I'm not embarrassed that God gave me a full head of hair. I'm not embarrassed by that. I'm not embarrassed by, by the good health that God's given me. The fact that he's blessed me with wealth, eh. So that brings us to the bad news. Good news is you're rich. Guess what? The bad news is you are rich. Jesus, uh, this, this young, uh, rich young guy comes to Jesus and said, ask him a really important Great question. How can I have eternal life? Question we all should ask. All right? And Jesus said, well, he called him good, and he said, I'm not good. And then he said, ah, just keep the Ten Commandments. And the guy said, I did. Now, nobody really keeps the Ten Commandments, but Jesus didn't argue with him. He said, okay, just one other thing. Again, he was rich. He said, give away all your money, give it to the poor, and come follow me, and you'll have eternal life. So he got the answer. Really most important question, he got the answer. This text says, he walked away very sad because he was very rich. He chose his riches over eternal life. So when Jesus saw this, his, his response was this. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, to that community, 
Jewish theology was the more you had, the more wealthy you were, they understood it was from blessings from God, so rich people seemed to be the closest to God, right? And Jesus said, how hard! And then he gives an impossible scenario. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So they're thinking, if they can't get there, I can't get there. And then Jesus says something really important. He said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. We all get there the same way, by the grace of God. doesn't matter how much we have or how little we have. Now the problem with this uh, rich young guy was he found his, or sought to find security in his wealth. And also his identity. He didn't know who he would be without his wealth. So do you and I have things in our lives that are more important than a relationship with God? Question we all need to answer. So why would Jesus say this? We're so hard for rich people to get into. But I thought we'd talk about that a little bit. Why is it a spiritual disadvantage to be wealthy? I'll give you a couple of reasons. First, uh, you're distracted. You've got too many options. Right? One of the reasons people attend church uh, less, especially, of course, since COVID. But since COVID, because there's options. There's so many other things you could be doing. Other cultures, there's not much else to do. So you're distracted. And you're distracted about how to spend the money, how to save the money, how to not to lose the money, etc., etc. Jesus, they asked Jesus, teach them how to pray. Part of that prayer was, Lord, give me my daily bread. Do you ever pray that prayer? I don't pray that prayer. We have enough food in our house to go months. I don't need to pray that prayer. God has given me way more food than that. So it's a spiritual disadvantage. Secondly, those who have a lot are responsible for a lot. Again, how are you going to use these resources? And we believe that everything we have is from God, so it's not like I get to choose, God gets to choose. And am I doing what God wants me to do with these resources? And of course, culture shouts that we don't, what we don't have is what you need. Right? You, know, you don't have a swimming pool, you need a swimming pool. I'm not picking on anybody here. Uh, you don't have a new car, you need a new car. I was just at Hagerstown Honda getting our car fixed and uh, saw the new shiny cars and full parking lot. What's our car? Our youngest car is 12 years old. <laughs> so we have nowhere near a new car. Uh, you know, what I, I need a bigger TV, I need a new phone, I need a new computer. This is endless, isn't it? So none of these things are spiritual things. So it's a spiritual disadvantage to be wealthy. So Jesus said what? Be on your guard. So why? Simple answer is this. Because your person's life, we already read this, doesn't consist of what you possess or what you own. doesn't consist in the abundance of money and stuff. But here's the problem. What does our lifestyle seem to teach? Our lifestyles often reflect the fact 
are the opposite of the fact that our life doesn't consist in the possessions we have. We think we can either spend more to be happy, contented, whatever. So I call it the curse of money. Most of you wouldn't consider money a curse, but our problems can be solved by more. But logically, it makes no sense at all. Just because you have more money, that means your kids won't get uh, caught up in drugs. In fact, I think wealthy people have more problems with this because the kids have access to money to buy the drugs. If you've got cancer, can money cure you? It gets you good doctors. Money can't cure you. If you're dealt with somebody's severe depression, it's really difficult. There's really nothing you can do for them. Money certainly doesn't cure depression. Having marital issues or conflicts with other people, money solve those problems? Nah. Paul described it with a good word, the word contentment. And this is in Philippians chapter 4, he said this. Not that I have ever, was ever in need. That's a pretty bold statement, right? Can you say that you were never in need? Probably most of us could say that. He had a pretty rough life. He had shipwrecks and other things, but he said, I never was in need. How could he say that? Because he learned something. And it's something he learned that you and I can learn. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. He said, when I had a lot, when I had a little, I'm content. If we backtrack, well, this is what God has chosen to give me at this time. I should be content. So this is something you and I can ask God. Teach me. Help me to learn to be content. So what we don't need is more of what is temporary. This stuff, right? We don't need more of that. We need more of what is eternal. Another way is the saying is we don't need more money. We need more Jesus. We need to be under the power of God, the influence of God. Are we more under the influence of God or the influence of money? Paul gives Timothy some instructions about money. One other place he told, uh, says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. Greed, etc. Here he's, he's talking about something else. He says, teach those who are rich in this world, it's all of us, right? Not to be proud, and here's the hard part, not to trust in their money. It's unreliable. But we do, don't we? One of the great teaching times in, in our lives was uh, the year between the mission field and pastoring this church. I didn't have a job. Didn't have an income. Uh, just did, uh, did odd jobs. And we never went hungry. <laughs> we never went in need, really. Thankful to some church people, some of you probably. So we learned at least temporarily, we couldn't trust the money because we didn't have it, to trust in God. But once you have it, it's hard not to trust in it, isn't it? Our trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need 
for enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy what you have. Goes on. Tell them to use the money to do good. So he tells us, use your money to do good. You should be rich in good works, not just in money, and generous to those in need. If I was asked somebody that knows you, is so-and-so a generous person? Would they say yes? If you ask somebody if Deb and I are generous people, would they say yes? Always being ready to share with others. I like the way Dave Ramsey says, hold your money in your hands like this. It can go out, but God can put more in. You hold on to it, nothing more can come in. Anyway, going on. And he said, text. By doing this, by being generous in good deeds, you'll be storing up treasures as a good foundation for the future, for eternity, and you may experience true life. So, don't feel guilty because you're rich, because you are, but feel responsible. Let me summarize this up this way. I've got three points. God has blessed me with more than I need, so I'm rich. Admit that. Don't be embarrassed about it. I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. It's a little tougher to do. And because I have more, I will give more and do more. Let's do something that matters. Let's do something that lasts. Not focus so much on what's temporary and what's passing. So, next step. How much do you think you need to be happy? Are you seeking more? And you're seeking more in that seeking happiness. Let me challenge you to seek finding your enough in Jesus. Let me pray with Father God, thank you that you blessed me with the privilege of being born in America. You've blessed me with the privilege of understanding the gospel and receiving it into my life. You've blessed me with financial resources. So now my prayer is that I would be generous as you, God, are generous. That I would manage these resources that, in a way that would honor you. Do good. Be generous as you are generous. Uh, we pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower. Um, most likely, we're, we're glad that you're listening or watching or here. Uh, this would not probably make much sense to you because you find your purpose and meaning in material resources. So we pray to get today, like Solomon, you would understand that that's not real life, that's not true life. You would come to understand that true life is through experience of the living God. That he offers you forgiveness and eternal life if you just believe. Accept his son Jesus. We pray that's your prayer today.
And Father God, we thank you that we are blessed. So greatly blessed. We pray that prayer that we would learn contentment. Whether we have a lot or whether we have little, whether we have good health or poor, whether our relationships are fantastic or struggling. You are God. Teach me to be content. Thank you, Jesus. And give all the praise and the honor and the glory goes to you. In your name we pray. Amen.